for nearly two decades. The award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with Your Financial Editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a uh, podcast, for, uh, you can go to listen to that on iTunes. I am Chris Murray your host. Uh, Thanks so much for being with us this weekend. I hope everything's going well for you. Good program laid out for you. We've got some top stories, some economic data, and also joining me, uh, my guest this morning, Mr. Ken Davis. He has over 40 years of experience in corporate management, public service, and private practice of law. He uh, was the deputy attorney general for the Commonwealth of Virginia. He's worked on Capitol Hill and um, is just a wealth of knowledge. And he's also written a new book. So we'll be talking about that with Mr. Uh, Davis as well. So stay tuned for that. So as far as the top stories of this week, um, one thing, if you have listened to the program, you might be familiar with uh, uh, an agency called the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. This was something that was created uh, during the Obama administration and um, has been very uh controversial. So it started out with millions of dollars as far as an annual budget. Now, of course, it's up to hundreds of millions. And, um, you know, a lot of what it does has been questioned, uh, including just is it necessary to have more government, uh, bigger government? Is that really what it was, just an expansion of government? But a House member uh, this week is seeking a probe of the Biden administration's push for what he calls a patronage system at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Um, And apparently it's because some career employees are being kicked out in order to uh, have the Biden uh, administration install their own staff. So Congressman Jody Heiss from Georgia, he's a member of the House Oversight and Reform Committee, asked the Inspector General of the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve and the CFPB to launch an investigation into the matter. He is saying that... It seems that the CFPB seems to be trying to create a patronage system by reportedly targeting career employees who served under President Trump. Um, this is something that he believes should be looked into. Again, uh, this was uh, created during the Obama administration. It was kind of the, uh, the uh, brainchild of Elizabeth Warren who I think wanted to be the director and was passed over, which I thought was interesting considering she was behind it, but she didn't get that uh, that nod. Mick Mulvaney, uh, during the last administration, was actually overseeing the, uh, the agency for a while, really did a good job in freezing uh, the increases in budget and trying to save the taxpayers some money. So I think that's just being undone right now, but um, I'll give him an A for effort. And we'll see where that goes going forward. Um, Something that's scary, you know, we talked about it recently, this global minimum tax that is coming out of the Biden administration, whoever's coming up with these ideas, and then putting Janet Yellen on point uh, at the Treasury Department. We see that uh, 130 nations have reached an agreement on a global minimum tax rate on corporations. But fortunately, there's a handful of countries that refuse to endorse this blueprint. So uh, even though Janet Yellen announced 130 of the 139 countries in what's called the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, 
um, have agreed to this conceptual framework to overhaul the global tax system, including a minimum rate of at least 15 percent. There are nine countries that's shaking their head no. Um, Barbados, Estonia, Hungary, Ireland, Kenya, Sri Lanka, Peru, and others uh, did not sign that paperwork. And what's really interesting about this is that the group of three European Union countries, Estonia, Hungary, and Ireland, those that are resisting, that could impact the 27-member bloc of the European Union because it probably would have to be a unanimous decision uh, to adopt that. So if they remain on the uh, sideline, I don't see how the European Union can make it happen, which is great. Uh, and by the way, just uh, the work that the uh, president, uh, the prime minister, I'm not sure, of Hungary is doing is just phenomenal. Economically, um, morally, he's just making great decisions on um, a blocking illegal immigration, supporting the traditional family, protecting life, just doing great things there. And uh, I can see him holding out definitely, and hopefully uh, the others will as well, Estonia and Ireland. Ireland has, has I think, um, you know, they already have a low tax, uh, corporate tax rate. So that's why a lot of countries go there um, and structure their businesses because, you know, you've got that global competition. But now, again, you know, you see these uh, folks in this administration um, and there are appointees that are trying to eliminate that and uh, <laughs> put everybody on the same page, which is just ridiculous. It makes me think of and go back to, uh, I guess, five years ago with Great Britain when they had the vote for Brexit. And the citizens of Britain said that we don't want to be part of the uh, the European Union anymore. We don't want Russell, uh, excuse me, Brussels telling us what to do. You know, and, and what it was, it seemed from my readings on this was that uh, the citizens and the business owners in general, you know, just walked out of their homes one day and looked up and down the street and said, just not our country anymore. And we don't like it. And that's why you saw the vote. And it took whatever five years plus for them to actually exit the European Union. But they got it done. Um, and I give them all the credit in the world for that, even though. uh Politicians were trying to kill the voters' voice and cheat and lie. Um, so luckily they were able to hold on and um, and get that done. And by the way, everybody said that Great Britain was going to collapse and, you know, the U.K. would fall into the sea and all the businesses would leave and their currency would plummet and et cetera. None of that happened. So uh, good for them and really good for those that are holding out on that uh, ridiculous global uh, corporate tax. And we also saw this uh, week that the president of the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget was reminding people that the U.S. economy, just the very foundation of our economy, is being weakened uh, because of these massive spending plans that are coming uh, out of Washington so she admitted, look, when we had the virus make its way here from China, we had to spend a lot of money. When you tell people to stay in their homes, not to go to work and pick winners and losers with that ridiculous essential, non-essential thing, 
um, you're going to have to compensate people. But now they just continue to do these trillion-dollar deals, and um, they, they try to act like it's normal, and it's not. And she was reminding us of that very, very important uh, fact. So, you know, you see all this spending from the federal government and a lot of also state uh, governments that aren't and cities that aren't run well. Um, It was really nice to see more and more states now that are looking to lower their taxes, income taxes in particular. I saw this week Arizona is the latest state looking to lower its income tax rate because they have a budget surplus. Now, why do states have a, a budget surplus after the virus? Not sure. Some of them it's because they were run so well. Others it's because of the bailout money that came, um, which should have never been given to states that didn't need it, that already had a budget surplus. So for Arizona um, – you know, I give them credit. And actually, I saw a piece, a uh, senior policy analyst at the Tax Foundation was saying that many states that are in a strong fiscal position, despite the virus, view tax reform as an opportunity to make a down payment on continued long-term economic growth and to make a name for themselves as a taxpayer-friendly state, especially given the increased remote work flexibility that many employers are offering now. So Arizona and others like Ohio, Idaho, Oklahoma, Iowa, Louisiana, Missouri, Montana, and New Hampshire are the other states that have reduced personal income taxes. And by the way, North Carolina and Wisconsin are considering tax reforms and reductions themselves. So kudos to them for giving money back to the taxpayer instead of taking it. You know, less government, more money for the people, for the workers to support themselves and their families and their loved ones and to contribute to economic growth and capitalism and just the strength of our economy. That is really, really good. And I I know what's going to happen. We've seen it already. People are going to continue to vote with their feet. And if they can go somewhere that's safe, well-run, and it costs them less money to be there, that's what they're going to do. And that's just common sense. And you can't blame them, right? Um, A coalition of 24 industry organizations on Wednesday urged the White House to lift restrictions that bar much of the world from traveling to the United States. Unfortunately, the uh, Biden administration is not showing signs of taking any kind of serious action on that. But the groups were led by the U.S. Travel Association, and they were representing airlines and casinos and hotels and airports and manufacturers and others. And they were urging the administration to ease entry restrictions by July 15th that were imposed last year when the virus made its way here and wreaked havoc and killed people and made them sick and um, caused people to have depression and anxiety. And we had suicides and drug overdoses and uh, just families being torn apart, divorces, all of those just terrible things. And we need to get back where we were before all that invaded us. And not just us here in the United States, but uh, China invaded the whole world, basically, when they let that thing go. Um, So... 
And you also had 75 members of the U.S. House of Representatives call on Biden to reopen the U.S., the, the border with Canada uh, to non-essential travelers, which the whole essential, non-essential thing is just stupid. Um, you know, we were essential the whole time um, at our firm, and we were no different than what they were calling non-essential people. It's that was there was no fairness to that whatsoever. They were picking winners and losers, and it was bureaucrats that were doing it. And uh, I hope it never ever happens again, especially when you consider you know they're restricting uh, entry into the United States unless you go down to the uh, southern border. And there, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, you can just come illegally, uh, whether you're a criminal or packing some drugs and, you know, you've got some fentanyl and you've got um, some coke or methamphetamines or whatever it might be um, that's going to, again, trash individual lives and families and kill people. Um, that's OK. It's, you have to laugh because otherwise you'll put your your fist through the uh through the wall because it's so ridiculous. Um, Will your money last as long as you do? That's the latest complimentary takeaway we have for you. It's an eight-page read at murrayfinancialgroup.com. Just go to murrayfinancialgroup.com, click the button, and it goes right to your um, email. And um, I hope you benefit from it. That's such an important question. Will your money last as long as you do? Uh, People are looking at decades of living in retirement and wondering if they're going to have enough. So check that out at murrayfinancialgroup.com. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio, 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast. Um, and we, we didn't have a whole lot of economic data this week. A couple things I wanted to let you know about that kind of definitely rise to the top. We did see that the ISM services report was weaker in June than where it was in May. So in May, it was at a reading of 64 in June, 60.1. Uh, that was lower than what economists were looking for. And, um, you know, when you look at the uh, service sector report, it's important because uh, we're a service-based economy these days. So you want to see that improving as opposed to going the other direction like we saw um, in the latest report. Also, we saw um, initial jobless claims, the number of Americans filing for first-time unemployment benefits uh, rose unexpectedly last week. Uh, Really... Doesn't make any sense, but that's what we saw. 373,000 Americans filed for first-time jobless benefits in the week ended July 3rd. Uh, and the previous week, uh, those numbers were revised higher also. So just not what we want to see, what we expected to see, and hopefully that's going to uh, improve. And we'll keep an eye on that, of course, as we do every week for you to, uh, to see where we go. The other thing... No big surprise. I saw that uh, the minutes from the Federal Reserve meeting that was back in June, it was the uh, 15th and 16th of June, where they all sat around and said, yeah, um, inflation is a problem. You know, we are uh, 
experiencing an unexpectedly large jump in inflation, but we're not going to do anything about it. We're not going to stop spending $120 billion every month in asset purchases, and we're going to leave interest rates at zero to a quarter percent. So again, you deal with the inflation, America, at the pump, at the grocery store, buying materials, whatever, you know. I mean, I feel your pain. Uh, we're all in the same boat. This is immediate. And as always, who does it hurt the most? Poor folks, right? Low income. Sometimes those uh, seniors that are on fixed incomes, they don't have wiggle room. So why is the Fed, and again, they use that stupid word, I'm so sick of it already, transitory. Uh, what, you know, transitory is temporary. This is starting to get a, long, a little long in the tooth, right? It's affecting people every day. Um, and there's no way around it when you're talking about energy and food. Uh, just ridiculous policies are causing this uh, from the administration to Jerome Powell to Janet Yellen to, you know, you name it. Um, it's making things more expensive and hurts the people that they always claim that they're there for the little guy, you know, Joe Lunchbox, the blue collar guy. That's the, those are the people that are being hurt the most. They don't have a lot of dry powder in many uh, circumstances. So shame on them for, uh, for letting this, uh, you know, allowing this to happen. It's just such a terrible thing. Um, as I mentioned, uh, latest takeaway, will your money last as long as you do? Why our retirement income analysis matters for your future? Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. It's right on the homepage. Click the button. It's complimentary. It'll go right to your email, and I hope you find it helpful and it benefits your situation. Um, as soon as we come back, we'll be talking with my guest, Mr. Ken Davis. Um, a wealth of knowledge, a ton of experience, um, very long resume, including serving as a deputy attorney general for the Commonwealth of Virginia. And he's written a really good book that I think you'll benefit from. Um, and we'll tell you all about that as well. So uh, stay tuned. That's all on the other side of the break. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Wear my name on the back of my belt. Believe there's a God to save me from hell. And dirt roads are made for country boys like me. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to uh, iTunes and search your financial editor and you can re-listen to the program, share it with people that you uh, care about, and um, hopefully they can benefit from the program and its content as well. As I mentioned right before the uh, break there, we were going to be uh, introducing my guest. I'm very happy to have with us this morning uh, Mr. Uh, Kennerly Davis. Uh, he has over 40 years of experience in corporate management, public service, and the private practice of law. 
Uh, you've probably read Mr. Davis's uh, material. It's been in the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Examiner, etc. And um, he served as deputy attorney general for the Commonwealth of Virginia back in 2013-2014. He worked on Capitol Hill in the 60s and 70s. Um, He has a B.A. degree in government from Cornell, an M.A. degree from Pembroke College, Oxford in philosophy, politics and economics. And he was awarded a a law degree from Harvard Law School. And uh, he's also recently uh, written a book titled Revolution, A Call to Turn Back the Lawless Left and Restore the Promise of America, something that we're all very concerned about. Good morning, Mr. Davis, and welcome to the program. Good morning, Chris. So glad to be with you. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking the time out of your weekend uh, to do that. So, um, and by the way, uh, you're still at the Federalist, if I uh, recall correctly. That's right. I've been a um, active member of the uh, Federalist Society, a national association of uh, conservative constitutionalists, uh, mostly lawyers, but not all lawyers. I've been an active member uh, for close to uh, 20 years. Okay, excellent. Yeah, we actually had uh, Miss Joy Pullman on a couple months ago uh, talking about the piece because I get the daily uh, emails from the Federalist. And uh, I was really impressed with the piece that she did on, I think it was Molly Ball, what she wrote in Time magazine about the irregularities with the uh, 2020 election back in November. So I really enjoyed uh, speaking with her and I'm looking forward to our conversation. So you have quite a bit of experience, as I mentioned to our listeners, uh, whether it's private practice in law, helping on and working on Capitol Hill, um, being involved uh, as deputy attorney general. I guess I'd like to start just to ask you, how has Virginia changed during your time living there? Well, I first uh, moved to uh, Richmond in 1978 um, after attending school uh, in the Northeast and growing up in uh, uh, Toledo, Ohio. And I was especially glad I was born in Virginia, southwest Virginia, but grew up in the Midwest. And I was especially glad in the 70s to come back to Virginia because it was a low-tax, business-friendly, constitution-loving, history-loving, conservative state. Um, But a lot has changed over the years, and uh, most of it uh, not for the good, as uh, Virginia has, as I'm sure uh, your listeners know, and following the general news, it's become more and more uh, progressive, more and more a big government, higher regulation, higher taxes, higher and higher taxes, and less business-friendly state. I mean, it's still got a good economy because the thing about private enterprise um, is that the spirit of the individual entrepreneur, the individual business person is so strong that we can overcome a lot of interference and costly oppressive regulation by the government but um, and still keep going. 
they haven't killed the economy, but it's it's not the state uh, that it uh, that it used to be. And I guess a lot of that would uh, obviously be from the Washington D.C. Uh, creep, where you know it just continues to. Uh, infringe, and I I agree with you, not a positive way into Virginia, into Maryland, uh, and other areas. Um, You know, it used to be Fredericksburg was safe uh, down 95 a ways outside of Washington. Now it seems to be um, so connected to it. Uh, Every time, you know, I do drive through there, it's it's really uh, mind-blowing to see the changes that have happened. Yeah, it's... um it's very much driven by the continued growth of the federal government. And, uh, you know, they have to live and, and, and sleep somewhere, and a lot of them end up in, in, in northern Virginia. I, uh, I include a, what I think is an interesting fact in, in, in some of my speeches, noting that in 1928, the wealthiest metropolitan area in the United States was Detroit, uh, the center of the automobile and truck and machinery business at that time, manufacturing. Um, Now, the wealthiest metropolitan area in the United States um, are the counties of northern Virginia, right outside Washington. And it's not because of manufacturing um, or the automobile industry or trucks or trains or electric generation equipment or anything else that was um, the center of business in the Detroit area. Uh, No, it's uh, the lobbyists who um, unfortunately uh, hold so much sway over the direction of um, the economy and business uh, these days. It's... um, Capitalism is a great system, but capitalism, what that really means is um, the rule of law, one set of rules passed by the legislature, administered by the executive, applied in disputes by the judiciary, one set of rules evenly applied to everybody. And, And increasingly, as the government gets more and more into micromanaging regulation, uh, there's opportunities for cronyism, cronyism to infect and corrupt and distort capitalism. Uh, so that unfortunately, a lot of times now, the uh, fortunes uh, of a company depend as much uh, on their lobbyists and lawyers as as on their product uh, engineers and. Uh, inventors and designers. Yeah, it is unfortunate, but that is just a fact nowadays. And I think uh, most of America that pays attention and tries to stay informed uh, is, is, is sees that for what it is. Talking with my guest this morning, Mr. Ken Davis, um, decades of experience in the private sector, uh, in the uh, public uh, service sector. Um, he was the deputy attorney general for the Commonwealth of Virginia and uh, has worked on Capitol Hill, uh, has multiple degrees, very successful over uh, his uh, lifetime, and has written a book titled Revolution, A Call to Turn Back the Lawless Left and Restore the Promise of America. 
Um, and I would encourage uh, folks, if you uh, have, if, if you're interested in these types of important subjects, to uh, to get yourself a copy of that, and we'll tell you the best places uh, in just a minute uh, to locate that. Mr. Uh, Davis, one thing I wanted to touch on just quickly before we get to more about your book is we really see um, a lot of interest and pushback from the Loudoun County, Virginia parents over the new proposed uh, school curriculum. Um, What do you think their chances of success are keeping that nonsense out of the schools? I think their chances are good because what they're Uh, dispute, what their pushback, what their resistance has revealed for parents all across the country is the unfortunate, frightening fact that the general curriculum in public school systems all across this country has been greatly affected by radical Marxist ideology. I mean, you hear a lot about critical race theory, but it's very important for everybody to understand, and and perhaps especially given the business and economic interests of, of your listeners, to understand that for all the talk about race, this is really race-based Marxist um, dogma and a, um, a, a push forward by the radical left with the ultimate intention, what it's always been from Marxists, and that is the destruction of the capitalist system. The um, National Education Association recently had a national meeting um, just a few days ago, and they passed a number of revealing um, resolutions as an organization, the National Education Association, the largest teachers union in the country, and their resolutions called for support and campaigns to advance the study of critical race theory, but also to uh, take steps to end, and I'm quoting here, end empire, white supremacy, racism, and capitalism capitalism and other forms of oppression at the intersections of our society close quote i mean it critical race theory is not some benign academic concept it's not a way to be more sensitive and understand better the american um, the american story it's a program of indoctrination it's race based Marxism. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and I'm, I'm glad that you're optimistic about uh, those folks in Loudoun County. And I hope we can all be optimistic no matter where we uh, live across the country. Um, and, you know, with uh, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren being exposed to this kind of stuff is so, so dangerous. So hopefully we'll be able to uh, keep the spotlight on it and prevent it from happening. When we come back, I'll tell you uh, how to get Mr. Davis's book, The Easiest Way. And um, we'll kind of talk about, in general, touch on some of the uh, important parts of the book and that type of subject matter. So stay tuned. The first time I held your hand 
Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And, of course, as a podcast, uh, go to iTunes and just look up your financial editor. Welcome. Uh, If you're just joining the program, Really glad to have our guest this morning, Mr. Ken Davis. He has over 40 years of experience in corporate management, public service, and the private practice of law. You've probably read his material uh, that he's uh, wrote in the Wall Street Journal, um, the Federalist Society Review, Washington Examiner, and other places. Uh, He served as the Deputy Attorney General for the Commonwealth of Virginia, worked on Capitol Hill in the 60s and 70s, and has multiple degrees from Cornell, Oxford, Harvard, and uh, Virginia, UVA. So um, we're talking to him about the kind of current state of affairs around the country and also about his book, which is titled Revolution, A Call to Turn Back the Lawless Left and restore the promise of America. And Mr. Davis, what's the best way for people to uh, get your book? Well, the best way is um, just to go to uh, Amazon and the book section. And if you type in uh, uh, the word revolution and my name, Kennerly Davis, it'll pop right up with a uh, short description um, of the contents uh, and a bit about me and offer the um, uh, the viewer uh, a copy either in paperback or uh, ebook in, in uh, their Kindle version. But it's I wrote the book um, last year in appalled response to the trashing of the uh, the Fourth of July, the founding of America the founders, all the talk you remember about how America was founded for the purpose of implementing, instituting, and continuing uh, the institution of slavery. And the founders were best thought of as slave holders. And the whole of our history is nothing but a shameful story of racial injustice exploitation and oppression they said all that they did all that as they tore down the statues and and defaced the monuments to support their demand for radical revolution i mean if something is systemically evil if something is systemically racist and evil there's no reform to be had the only thing to do is tear it all down Now, that is not true. The the program, the arguments, the whole thrust forward from the radical left is founded on, built up upon a lie. What the 
German Nazi propagandists referred to as a big lie, something just so overwhelming that people just can't unpack it. They don't know how to respond to it, and so they just accept it. But it is a lie. And the way to fight back, the effective, powerful way for all concerned Americans to fight back is with the truth. America is not a racist nation. It is, in fact, a truly exceptional nation founded on the timeless principle that all of us, all persons are alike in the only ways that matter, endowed by our Creator with unalienable rights that flow from the hand of God and not from the generosity of our ruler. Natural rights of a sovereign people that have to be respected and protected by the government that we founded for that purpose, rights that make us one community of of human beings. This is what Martin Luther King was after when he preached his dream and brought forth his vision of a colorblind society that was transformed because it lived up to the ideals of the founders, not because it turned its back on the ideals of the founders. So I wrote the book to give some people some basic information to help them become reacquainted with the American Revolution and help uh, help them work with their children to become more familiar with the true, the stirring, unifying, uplifting, true story of America, get back in touch with history. Uh, one part of the book contains a lot of tips for families to work together with their children and with their friends and neighbors to do that. I wanted to give people the tools, the truth, and some practical tips that will help them push back. So it's kind of a survival guide for concerned Americans. How to how to make, help them how to make a convincing, fact-based case for the fundamental goodness of this country. Well, and I think you've done an extremely good job. I mean, that's just my outside opinion. I mean, I love that you called it a, you know, survival guide because it's only 12 chapters and 125 pages. So it's not like you have to commit two weeks of your life to going through uh, something like this. This is the kind of tool that when it's in your hands, um, you can go back to it occasionally and quickly be reminded and refreshed on these important issues about our country and its founding and really what we are about and have always strived to, to, to better ourselves uh, from the, the founders on as opposed to uh, the talking points like right away if somebody disagrees about the, the greatness of this country, then whatever, they say you're a racist or they say you're a Nazi or they say you're a sexist or whatever they're going to throw out, which um, are all, it, it, it's very, very weak platforms to stand on when they do that. They actually lose the argument, uh, the argument immediately, in my opinion, when they do that. There's no substance to what they're really trying to get, get through. And just the fact, like you were talking about earlier, critical race theory, theory, it's a theory, the 1619 
uh, project. It's essays. This isn't history or factual or anything that you want to put your faith into. It's just the opposite. And uh, I appreciate you writing the book and providing that tool, uh, like you said, so people uh, can uh, know exactly what happened and the best way to combat this type of uh, crazy uh Marxist, socialist, communist, you name it, push that we're seeing across the board these days? Well, you um, you asked a few minutes ago if I was helpful, uh, uh, rather hopeful, uh, uh, based on the Loudoun um, events, and I said I was because I think uh, they, in, in, in going after our children, the radical left has exposed themselves, they've stirred up, they've awakened um, parents uh, all across this country who otherwise would, would, you know, glance at the daily paper or listen to some of the news on cable and, and, and be inclined to perhaps disapprove of or disagree with um, left-wing policies that they hear being advanced and discussed uh, in the news, but if they affect uh, this agency or that policy or something the federal government is stopping or starting um, in its ongoing operations, it's uh, tempting to just let it go. But in coming after our children, beginning in kindergarten, they have, I hope, overreached with their attempt to uh, indoctrinate with their poisonous, divisive, destructive dogma. And that is also, as you say, you, you know, they're, they're slogan-driven. They use a lot of slogans like uh, diversity and inclusion and cross-cultural sensitivity and critical race theory, et cetera, et cetera, to kind of, um, kind of obscure what's, what's, what's really going on here. But they don't want a careful examination, a real examination of what they're doing, and that's what I'll, I'll say the Loudon parents have helped start. And they don't want a real debate about their philosophy versus the founders' principles of natural rights protected by the rule of law, because they know they will lose such a debate. Any fair discussion, any fair debate, they lose. Yeah, no, I agree 100 percent. And I think, again, it um, it comes back to you can even use this exact same uh, comparison to climate change. They won't publicly debate it, uh, you can get your climate alarmist if you want and get them on the panel, and then other folks can come with uh, packed with their facts and figures and have an open, honest discussion debate. The last time I heard it happen was 2007, when I remember correctly, and uh, they got waxed. I mean, it was just a mess. So now what they do is they use corporate America and the media uh, really around the world to try to push that narrative, just like they're doing with uh, these other things with uh, CRT, et cetera. So 
it's dangerous and one way to help yourself. And if you love your children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, folks, don't just listen passing, you know, listen in a passive way. Uh, you want to be aware and engaged in this. One way of doing it is reading my guest this morning, Mr. Ken Davis's book. It's called Revolution. A Call to Turn Back the Lawless Left and Restore the Promise of America. And you can go to Amazon.com and, and get yourself a copy. Uh, Mr. Davis, thank you so much for taking time uh, out of your weekend to be with uh, uh, us and, you know, myself and my audience. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me on. And um, thanks for the other wonderful work that you continue to do. Uh, through your program. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Have a great uh, uh, rest of the weekend. As I said, best of luck with uh, the book. And folks, I'm, I, you know, again, revolution, a call to turn back the lawless left and restore the promise of America. It doesn't get any better than that as a title. Uh, Mr. Ken Davis, D-A-V-I-S, go to Amazon and uh, order it. And uh, that does it for us. We're out of time, unfortunately. Uh, so I will talk to you on the Morning News Express with Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick Monday through Friday. Those are live conversations at 5.50, 6.50, 50 a.m. And then we'll be back here next weekend for another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. vacation for the honeymoon a couple tickets all inclusive down in cancun i couldn't get my money back so i'm in seat 7a i'm getting drunk on a plane i bet the feller on the out thought i was crazy 9 30 wfmd sports update from the fox sports studios in los angeles Kevin Figures. In late Major League Baseball, Arizona got a home run from Eduardo Escobar as the Diamondbacks pulled off the 5-2 upset win over the Dodgers in Los Angeles. It was the Snakes' first victory in eight tries against L.A. this season. The Angels got home run number 33 from Shohei Otani, but lost in Seattle after Mitch Hanniger hit a grand slam in the eighth. San Francisco beat Washington 5-3, Padres with a 4-2 win over Colorado. The Yankees beat Houston 4-0. Oakland has lost four of their last five after falling to Texas. Francisco Lindor with a grand slam leading the Mets over Pittsburgh. New York starter Taiwan Walker has been selected as an injury replacement for Tuesday's All-Star game. Novak Djokovic advanced to the men's finals at Wimbledon, which will take place on Sunday. Top-seeded Ashley Barty will vie for the women's crown later today at 9 a.m. Eastern. In golf, Luke List has a one-stroke lead at the John Deere Classic, while world number one John Rahm is in a three-way tie for first at the Scottish Open. I'm Kevin Figures.